I'm John Hanson Flashin, the new editor of the journal Proceedings of the American Thoracic Society. It's my pleasure today to interview two distinguished scientists who can provide insight on the latest ATS workshop report to be published on March 15th in PETS, titled Respiratory Health Effects of Global Climate Change. Dr. William Rahm, Professor of Medicine and Director of the Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Division at New York University, is a co-chair of the workshop. I am also joined by Dr. John Balbus, Senior Advisor for Public Health at the National Institutes of Environmental Health Sciences at NIH. First, a few words of introduction. Global climate change has been an issue of increasing interest over the past several years, while active research continues on climate change impact in several fields of science. The debate on impact has moved beyond scientific venues, increasingly to discussions dominated by political and economic allegiances. In 2007, a UN-sponsored group known as the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, issued its most recent and comprehensive report documenting the known and likely environmental and human health effects of climate change. Of the many important findings in the IPCC report, two caught my eye in particular. First, warming of the climate system is unequivocal, as is now evident for observations of global increases in average air and ocean temperatures, widespread melting of snow and ice, and a rising average global sea level. Second, most of the observed increase in global average temperatures since the mid-20th century is likely due to the observed increases in greenhouse gas concentrations. Those are gases emitted by burning fossil fuels and by a variety of industrial processes that trap heat within the atmosphere. In other words, the IPCC report concludes emphatically that climate change is real and is being caused by humans. Also in 2007, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Massachusetts versus the Environmental Protection Agency that the EPA has the authority and obligation to regulate greenhouse gas emissions. However, in 2009-2010, the U.S. Congress failed to enact legislation establishing the United States approach to addressing greenhouse gas emissions. Conversely, in 2011 and 12, Congress tried but failed to pass legislation preventing the EPA from issuing any policy on greenhouse gas emissions. While Congress has been debating climate change law, the Environmental Protection Agency has been working on regulations to control greenhouse gas emissions. Currently, we are awaiting final regulations from EPA to address greenhouse gas emissions. I'll start my interview with you, Dr. Rahm. In light of all the controversy surrounding this issue, what prompted the ATS to host a workshop on the respiratory health effects of climate change? Well, there really shouldn't be any controversy about the reality of climate change or the human contribution to climate change. The data on climate change is compelling and requires a response. The American Thoracic Society Environmental Health Policy Committee proposed the workshop to gather experts' advice on climate change and its relationship to respiratory health and where we should be headed in regard to epidemiological 
and public health research. The discussion should now move to what are the likely environmental and human health impacts of climate change and how can we prevent further climate change and how can we adapt to climate changes that are already happening. For example, CO2 is a long-lived air pollutant. 33% of CO2 remains in the atmosphere at 100 years and 19% at 1,000 years for a millennium. So it'll be persistent for a long time. The workshop report lays out what we believe are important research questions in the area of climate change and respiratory health. What are the key findings and recommendations of the workshop report? The most important finding is that the American Thoracic Society believes that climate change is real and that we need to respond. We hope this workshop report will add to the growing body of respected scientific organizations that have reviewed the available data and conclude that action on climate change is needed. The report outlines a number of key scientific questions regarding global climate change that should be addressed, including first, exploring how climate changes in heat, humidity, precipitation, and extreme weather events impact the distribution of respiratory disease. Second, understanding how extreme heat affects the individual and the community. Third, examining how climate change influences the production, distribution, and interaction with air pollutants, especially the interaction between heat and ozone. The report also emphasizes the need to understand how climate change will impact the respiratory health of resource-poor communities and individuals, both in the United States and around the world. At the global level, it notes the importance of biomass combustion, which not only influences climate change, but also is a major cause of acute pneumonia, chronic lung disease, and several other health effects around the world. The workshop also recommends understanding how the changing climate will impact the seasonal pattern of infectious diseases, like influenza, which involve the respiratory system. Dr. Balbus, which respiratory health effects of climate change have generated the most data recently? Well, the clearest evidence of a changing climate affecting respiratory health is probably the data showing trends towards longer and more intense pollen seasons. Dr. Louis Ziska and colleagues at the USDA published a study recently that shows the ragweed pollen season is starting earlier in North America arriving 16 days earlier in Minneapolis and 27 days earlier in Saskatoon, Canada. These data track closely with predictions on climate change. The longer pollen season will have clinical impacts on patients with allergies and asthma. I think data on summer heat waves and health is pretty compelling too. The summer heat waves in Chicago in the late 90s, Europe and Russia, especially Russia, which had extensive Simultaneous wildfires that darkened the air in Moscow uh, showed significant spikes in mortality. In Europe, in 2003, during August, there was a two-week heat wave that resulted in 30,000 deaths. About half of these were in France and were due to the lack of air conditioning, but this affected the elderly, particularly those with cardiac and respiratory diseases. So heat waves are 
uh, an example of something that can be a demonstration of climate change. Uh, more severe and longer heat waves are consistent with climate models, suggesting we'll have to deal with these severe heat waves increasingly in the future. Severe weather events such as uh, the increase in moisture from climate change in the atmosphere can give cause to or arise in the tornadoes, hurricanes, typhoons, etc., that cause uh, not only large uh, loss of uh, property, but loss of lives as well. Dr. Rahm, what are the more speculative respiratory health effects of climate change? Well, more speculative, the document briefly explores how climate change will impact water scarcity. For example, cities like Lima and La Paz and uh, Bolivia receive their water from glaciers, and these glaciers are melting away. Uh, how water scarcity will likely result in significant population relocation is another concern. For example, uh, drought may uh, exacerbate crowding in urban areas, and especially in the poorer areas where tuberculosis may then increase. Other diseases like malaria and dengue fever may also be increased due to uh, climate change. <clears throat> Extreme weather events, particularly flooding, uh, due to increased uh, rainfall in certain areas, are likely to cause flood damage and lead to uh, ensuing exposures to mold and further respiratory sequelae. I think the interactions between climate change, air pollution, respiratory health are also an area of great interest. The bad news is that climate change through higher temperatures, through more intense droughts and increases in wildfires will likely exacerbate air pollution and therefore worsen respiratory health. On the other hand, there's a good news story here, and that is that steps to address global climate change through reductions in greenhouse gas emissions will also have co-benefits of reducing harmful air pollution in many cases. This area of health co-benefits between greenhouse gas emissions control and reductions in air pollution that result from them is of great interest to NIEHS. What can be done by the pulmonary community to help mitigate the effects of climate change on our patients? In the short term, education and awareness are the most powerful tools that we have. Getting patients to understand how the lengthening of the pollen season will impact management of their allergies or asthma is important. For the academic community, it's important to draw the association between increased pollen and asthma exacerbations. Getting physicians to alert patients about the early arrival and extended duration of the pollen season and equipping patients with practical steps to reduce exposures to allergy and asthma triggers will also be important. I also think that heat and extreme weather alerts sent out to the healthcare community and to the vulnerable populations themselves, especially those, those with COPD, cardiovascular conditions, and other chronic health conditions will be a critical health adaptation strategy. In the longer term, I think that getting ATS members to include the health effects of climate change in their scientific endeavors is one of the most important contributions that can be made. A better understanding of the human health effects of global climate change and what effective steps there are to mitigate those health impacts will help drive both public health strategies in climate change and will also help inform the larger public policy debate on how to respond to climate change. 
Dr. Rahm and Dr. Balbus, thank you for sharing with us your thoughts on climate change and on the recent ATS workshop document.